You're listening to Career Conversations with Aaron Rovner, presented by Randstad Rysmart, the world's fastest-growing career transition and talent mobility provider. Now, here's your host, Aaron Rovner. Good afternoon. I'm career coach Erin Rovner, and thanks for joining me for Career Conversations this Monday afternoon. I'm passionate about helping people thrive in their careers, and over the next 30 minutes, we'll provide tips and strategies to help you recover from a layoff, find your next opportunity, update your resume, prep for an interview, or transition to a brand new career. With more than 40 million people currently out of work, I'm sure many of you have either experienced a job loss or you probably know someone who has. And even if you are still currently working or now working from home, I'm sure everyone listening likely has some degree of uncertainty about what their professional future holds. And I hope we can provide some guidance to everyone to achieve career success and growth. On today's show, we're going to talk about a topic that a lot of people have a lot of confusion on. It's called reskilling. And while it sounds like it's something brand new, it's something that's actually a little bit different. For a little background about myself, I'm a senior career coach with Ronstadt Rise Smart, the world's fastest growing career transition and talent mobility provider. I have over 15 years experience in career services and recruiting, and I like to joke that essentially for 15 years, my job has been to get people paid in one way or another. I am so excited by today's guest because I am joined today by Wesley Connor, who is the Global Head of Learning and Development, or the Chief Reskilling Officer for Ronstadt Enterprise Group, a global leader in the HR services industry. With 15 years of leadership experience and more than 2,000 hours of executive and team coaching experience, Connor has been an influential contributor to the design and execution of Ronstadt's world-class learning strategy. Thank you for joining me for a career conversation today. Wesley, if you can say hi to all our listeners. Hi, pleasure to be here with you, and thanks for having me, Erin. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here because you truly are an expert. And so my first thing that I wanted to kind of have your help in defining is the difference between upskilling and reskilling, because I feel like there are some people who are out there saying, you know, what skilling, downskilling, how, what, how many skillings are out there and aren't really sure what it means and, uh, and what it means for them. So I'd love to get your take yeah, on it. Yeah, I think it can be really confusing. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of confusion right now. And I think that some of us can become easily intimidated or, or frightened because these seems like really huge, overwhelming concepts when actually, you know, they're, they're quite simple and we have been doing this all along. It's just we've sort of put parameters and started to redefine how we explain these concepts. So I suppose the first one and the easiest to explain is around upskilling. And for me, this is when you're looking at what are the competencies or the skills that you already have that you currently exhibit. And whether it's new technology, um, how do you continue to advance in that particular skill or that particular competency? So, you know, we all use email and we all are now starting to become familiar with different things like Zoom and the Google Suites. And eventually there will be updates. There'll be more advanced versions of this technology. And so upskilling is allowing us to continue to evolve in our competencies to meet the business needs, but also for ourselves and our understanding to keep evolving with the technology and with the needs. So it's not out of the sphere of, of what we know. It's just simply upgrading on the competencies and the skills that we currently have. 
Reskilling, however, is when we look at a pool of talent or within an organization or even me individually and ask myself, you know, I want to switch careers. I want to move into a different industry. Or if we have new technology and new systems that we have coming, I need to reskill myself entirely in a different area, which will require a much more robust development plan than if I'm simply upskilling myself. I love that. And it makes so much sense. I liked how you used the word evolving because, you know, we all have so many great skills and that idea of, you know, upskilling and just kind of growing as technology grows and as everything else grows. Um, But so I guess the big question that comes to mind is that, you know, when someone sees themselves moving into a new job or or changing careers, um, how is it that they should identify, do I upskill and grow it based on what I have? or try and learn something new. Can you think of any questions or things that people might do to kind of identify which place they should start from? Great question. Uh, So I think the first step is to get really clear on what are your current competencies and your current skills. Um, because it's hard to know if you should upskill or reskill if you don't have a really clear picture of where you currently are. Um, and there's lots of different tools that you can use to be able to identify the skills that you have, whether it's technical skills or soft skills. And then I would start to look at what um, is the type of career or the industry that you want to move into and do some research around job descriptions and what are the current competencies around that. And then really do a, a, you know, a skills gap analysis and look at what, what are the differences, what are the areas in which I'm going to have to reskill myself that I have no past experience in? And what are the areas that I currently have competencies or skills, but I just need to upskill myself and perhaps learn the newest version of that? I love that because it's one of those things that uh, sometimes they talk about young people. They all always know the newest version of everything, but it's impossible for anyone out there with the amount of technology that we have to know the newest version of every single thing that's out there. Um, especially me in particular, I sometimes find I'm using an old version of something. I still can't get a fun background on my Zoom, and I've been doing it for weeks now. And I don't think that's an upscaling problem. That's probably a my computer problem, but still, it's the same kind of feeling where you're like, wait, where are my skills? Where are those gaps? Um, And so, and I think that mentioning those tools is also so important because those skill gaps, um, sometimes when you're trying to identify your own misgivings yourself, it can be so difficult. So my next kind of question for that is, do you feel like that people should use different tools to look at their current skills, look at their competencies, and look at where they need to go? Is there a difference for people who are gig workers or people who are freelancing or people who are full-time? Does it really matter, or would they all kind of take the same approach? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think as we're continuing to evolve, uh, we know that the average person now is going to go through 12 to 15 different jobs or, you know, careers in their lifetime. It's no longer the case that we start in an organization and we work our way up through one industry and company where the upskilling happens very naturally in that case through experience. Uh, we are now given the opportunity to explore many different careers in many different industries. So I think the first step is to get really clear on what is the impact that you want to have in the world of work? Where do your natural interests and competencies lie? I think one of the mistakes we can make is to say, oh, you know what, I know that AI is going to be an upcoming skill, and I I attempt to upskill myself in that with no intrinsic interest in that. So I would look at what are you naturally interested in? And uh, I, I think now it used to be a gig economy that if you're a freelance worker, you had to be you know, a bit of a chameleon. But I actually think now in organizations, uh, you have to constantly be working on your skill set and competency and take ownership. 
So I actually don't think it's different now. And I would constantly be looking, whether I'm in an organization or a freelance employee, at how can I continue to evolve my skill set and competencies? Becoming, becoming future-proof, much like organizations are looking at possible disruptions. I think that we need to be doing that for ourselves and asking ourselves, you know, wh how am I going to continue to evolve myself, my competencies, and my skill set? What n interests me naturally? I 100% agree, because if it doesn't interest you naturally, you may not be able to keep up with the learning and everything that people are doing. We're going to take a quick break, but come back with us because we are going to be talking about, you know, organizations and what does that mean for reskilling and how to take this seriously. Um, we're really excited for you to keep listening to Career Conversations. Having to let go of your valued employees is never easy, especially now. Don't do it alone. Ronstadt Rise Smart will help you support your employees with compassionate outplacement services. Our certified career transition teams and extensive online resources can help your employees find their new beginnings more quickly and with greater confidence. Protect your employees and your brand. Look to talent mobility and outplacement leader Ronstadt Rise Smart. Learn more at helpmyemployee.com. You're listening to Career Conversations with Aaron Rovner. Presented by Randstad RiseSmart, the world's fastest-growing career transition and talent mobility provider. Now, here's your host, Erin Rovner. Welcome back to Career Conversations, presented by Randstad RiseSmart. I'm career coach Erin Rovner, and I'm joined today by Wesley Connor, Randstad Enterprises Global Head of Learning and Development, and we are talking about reskilling. Um, so for this second segment, um, I'm really excited to kind of get the other side's perspective. You know, we often talk about job seekers and employers, and sometimes it's like they're battling against each other and two different sides want two different things. But I'm really kind of optimistic that organizations, from a reskilling perspective, are, um, are going to be on the same team, that it'll finally feel like, yes, we're all going after the same side. So, Wesley, I want to kick it off to you. You know, organizations and reskilling, is this something they should take seriously? Is there a danger from reskilling on the corporate side? What are factors they should take into consideration? Great question. And uh, based on our research that we did at Ronstadt, we found that 91% of companies reported that upskilling was absolutely a major priority, and yet only one in five companies were taking action on it. And what we Whoa. see in very large companies is there's a real significant financial investment, more than we've ever seen in any sort of learning and development in upskilling and reskilling. Um, so I think that if it's not on your roadmap as an organization, uh, there's definitely an opportunity to come together and look at what possible disruption your organization could have and your various talent pools in, in your company. So I, I think everyone needs to be paying attention to it. I think individuals and companies should be looking and taking ownership for themselves. And I think that Organizations should also be providing a structure and looking ahead to know what are the critical skills the organization needs to thrive in the future, and then creating the programs and opportunities to upskill or reskill their internal talent. But is this something that, you know, should employees be kind of self-selecting and saying, hey, I wish I had this certification, or do you think it should be done at a much, much higher level? I think it should be done at a higher level where you look holistically at the entire organization and where you're going, where the industry is going, the market, and really being proactive and setting up for, uh, yourself up for success. And as I mentioned before in the first segment, becoming future-proof. We just did a, a mass, uh, I guess we did an inventory internally in our company and looked at what were the skills necessary for the future and realized that we did have quite a substantial gap. And for a while, we really questioned whether we go out and hire, do we acquire this knowledge and bring it into the organization or do we home grow it? 
And what the research clearly shows is that it could cost you nine times more to acquire talent than to build from within. Uh, so from there, we launched a whole series of programs to be able to upskill all of our employees in a couple of core areas. That's so interesting. Uh, one of the things that's always fascinating me about that kind of training and development is that sometimes it does seem like, well, you could just bring in an expert and then they'll be able to help everyone. Um, but that seems kind of crazy. Those numbers almost don't make sense to me because um, the idea that everyone could be kind of bridging that gap. But I guess you're right. If you're tailoring it to exactly, you know, the people who work there, you know, the skills they're bringing to the table. That makes so much sense. One of the things that, do you feel like organizations would be afraid, though, that they're going to, you know, reskill all of these people, and then all of a sudden the, uh, the rest of the market is going to be like, hey, knock, knock, I see these great candidates. We're going to lose all this great talent. Is that ever a fear that would come up at such a strategic level? Uh, you know, I think that with a gig economy, you have to sort of set yourself up for the fact that you might not have employees any longer who stay with you for their entire career and that that's okay so that you make it a very attractive place to work for top candidates because you do offer all these great upskilling and reskilling. So I tend to take a growth mindset and abundance here. Where I think there is so much talent that I would rather create an environment where we are very attractive as an employer brand with uh, the promise that we're going to help upskill and reskill you in these core areas. My question is, my next question is, from kind of a productivity perspective, um, you know, do, is, is this time just set aside for like personal development? Like every Friday is just personal development day and you're going to be hanging out with us and learning new things. Um, or is it something that it should be like small doses every day? Because uh, I'm sure some people who aren't used to this would be like, how do I wrap my mind around every day getting more training and new skills? Um, is it ever something that people are like, well, I can't still be productive because, you know, there's so many people who are so good at their jobs. And then they're like, you mean you want me to take some time out to do something new? Um, has anybody ever kind of come up with these, you know, not fears, I guess I'm the only one who's anxious about it. But this idea of, you know, learning something new still adds to your productivity. That's a great point. So I think that if your employees see reskilling or upskilling as something that I schedule my calendar on Friday from 1 to 1.30, um, you know, you're probably in trouble. The idea is that you really <laughs> shift towards a learning culture. And one of the first things we did is when we looked at potential, we used to look at performance. And now what we're actually measuring potential is around learning agility. So what is an employee's ability to learn, unlearn, and relearn again quickly? And then we're trying to really integrate all of the programs into the workflow so that, again, upskilling, reskilling is not something I do for a specific time, but that it's part of the work process. Whether it's specific courses, traditional, like we know, where you go through a formalized program, whether it's on-demand learning or really optimizing on apprenticeships, job shadowing, and other opportunities that you can actually sit with people and learn skills by doing. Because we do have many different learner types. I love that. And I love that idea of learn, unlearn, and then learn again quickly, because that's the name of the game is that you can't just learn something new and then be like, but I'm still going to use all of these old things that I was doing before. That's not necessarily going to work. And it's so funny because this to me is such a modern concept, but the idea of an apprenticeship is like old school. Hey, you're going to be a blacksmith and you're going to bring in someone young into that, into the forge. And they're going to actually be hammering alongside with you. I feel like we need to come up with like a modern term for apprenticeship, but I probably am not good at naming things since I'm bringing up blacksmith references. Um, so I'm <laughs> guessing it's kind of a modern apprenticeship. <laughs> and finding appropriate levels and keeping it fun, right? There can be, I think we can get intimidated when I think of reskilling. Um, so we try to, to ensure that we're, we're having a lot of fun doing it. If you think about now uh, with this pandemic, it's forced a lot of people to upskill very quickly in essential technology. 
I know even my father now at 72 is using Twitter and, you know, we're laughing about it. So I think that it can be fun uh, as long as we ensure that you are, you know, that you're learning the skills and that you're passing it on in the organization. And a lot of times all this expertise exists somewhere in the company. I think jobs, our job as learning professionals is to find the expertise and to connect people throughout the organization. So you can sort of start to unlock that genius that already exists. I love that. How would you say this differs from like a traditional mentor-mentee relationship? Because it seems like the two would go hand in hand, but then there would be times when it might be working against each other. Yeah, so I think a traditional mentor-mentee relationship is really helping provide guidance and support, advice, and career counseling. Whereas I think organizations need to one-up that now and then also provide the tangible development tools, whether it's the formalized programs or the opportunities to do job shadowing to really support that mentoring relationship. I love that. Um, and I also just always love uh, the word mentee because you just never hear it in this day and age. Um, you know, having that kind of it, it, on, otherwise I've only seen it in Kung Fu movies, which definitely doesn't come up in most career conversations. But again, this is about having fun and not getting intimidated and sharing that expertise outside of those movies that maybe I'm the only one who's watching. So we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back um, to answer some of your listener questions here on Career Conversations presented by Ronstad Ricemart. Having to let go of your valued employees is never easy, especially now. Don't do it alone. Ronstadt Smart will help you support your employees with compassionate outplacement services. Our certified career transition teams and extensive online resources can help your employees find their new beginnings more quickly and with greater confidence. Protect your employees and your brand. Look to talent mobility and outplacement leader Ronstadt Smart. Learn more at helpmyemployee.com. You're listening to Career Conversations with Aaron Rovner. Presented by Randstad Rysmart, the world's fastest-growing career transition and talent mobility provider. Now, here's your host, Erin Rovner. Welcome back to Career Conversations, presented by Randstad Rysmart. I'm career coach Erin Rovner, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Wesley Connors. He's Randstad Enterprise's Global Head of Learning and Development, and he has been just really giving me a ton of information about upskilling and reskilling. And now we're going to pass that forward. So this is a question from our listener, Gary Roden from Jersey City, and he says, I've had a very successful career in IT, but my work really kept me away from some of the skills and certifications that I see a lot of companies are looking for in their job postings. I want to take these courses, but I also need a job right now. What are my options? So Wesley, I'm hoping that you can kind of give Gary a little bit of help um, as he navigates learning and job seeking at the same time. Yeah, I think a lot of people are in similar situations. And I think that everyone is going to be in a different place with this. Some people will have to get you know, obviously an immediate job for immediate needs. And some people will be able to take the time to be able to really reflect and think of what do they want the new normal to look like? What would they you know, perhaps like to move into a different career or gain a new skill set? But if you don't have the luxury of that time, um, I would recommend that you, you know, immediately look to leverage your current skills and your current competencies. One of the huge benefits right now is that organizations are learning that virtual work works. And we know that a huge population in the U.S. will be working remotely post-pandemic. And so now that really opens up Canada pools to companies. So there might be hidden opportunities for you to seek employment using your current skill set in markets that traditionally you thought maybe were out of bounds for you. 
Um, that being said, I would take that job and then I would go in with a really strategic plan for yourself around, you know, how are you going to start upskilling yourself either with the support of your employer or on your own to be able to learn the skills to move into a different type role that, you know, you might be able to look one or two years down the road, depending on what the qualification process is for those new skills. I love that. I was just going to say on top of that, also don't be afraid if you're in that position where you're taking that immediate job. You can sometimes negotiate to say, hey, you know, would you ever have professional development funds that I can take this course? There are sometimes that companies have money set aside outside of headcount where they can't, you know, they might say, well, we can't pay you any more in your salary, but they may have money that they can say, we will pay towards this certification or we will give you, you know, a membership to a professional association where you can be then gaining skills and doing that type of thing. Um, because, you know, as Les Wesley was saying, virtual work definitely works. And they want to make sure that you're skilled and that your competencies are at that same level. And so there are some times where it can kind of go hand in hand where you get the new job and then can get them to kind of pay for some of the things that are there. And as he was saying, more and more organizations are looking to have that training done from within um, so that you might not have to necessarily do as much worrying on, on the job seeker side. And maybe also research companies that are currently using that skill that you eventually want to move into and applying into those organizations through your current competencies and skills, because sometimes, you know, they have job rotations or they have apprenticeship programs that will enable you to gain experience within that organization. I love that. And I just think it's so, it's so important to go after, even if you can't go after the skills that you want to be doing in your next role, going after the organization that you want is always, you know, my number one thing. I say to clients all the time, I say, listen, you could come to me, you know, and say, hey, I'm a job seeker and I want to be a ballerina. And I always say, listen, we have to talk. If that's your job search, unless you, of course, have the skills. Um, but, you know, it's my job to help you get a job. And I always say to go after what you want, you know, within reason. Again, you know, no one's going to turn around tomorrow and be a champion full vulture unless they have those skills. But no one's ever going to regret going after the type of job they wanted. Well, with that same idea, we have another question that kind of came in. And this is um, a client that I've worked with in the past. And they are a really skilled designer. And, uh, and they're very skilled at um, Adobe Illustrator. But they've been working at a company that was using an outdated system. And so my client has been reskilling themselves with YouTube videos, which means they have to sit through some ads, but it is free. And so you're the expert, and I kind of wanted to run this past you. Do you think there are downsides to using a system? There's no certification for my client. You know, they're not going to see anything other than having watched probably way too many ads for these videos. But do you think that using a system like that, where for them it's no cost, that they could still be seeing upsides to doing that kind of very, very self-directed training. I think it depends on what the skill or the, the competency is. If you're going in, you know, in the pharmaceutical industry, I don't know if you want to upskill yourself on YouTube videos, but definitely for <laughs> technology. Um, I'm a huge fan of, of YouTube videos. I've learned so much technology just by going online. Uh, so I think it depends if you're able to actually move into a role where you can play around and learn the technology or if it's, you know, it requires a really strong designation that you would have to prove your skills. But I think it's a great place to start to learn. Are you interested in the technology? Um, are you interested in the skill and competency in a really cost-effective way? Yeah, I agree. And also, I think that it's a place where I've had a few clients this week. They are, they're already really skilled in what they do and they're looking at courses and they're looking at paying for college level courses looking at paying for certifications but they um they aren't necessarily sure if they're at the 101 phase and that's where i'm kind of saying okay well maybe start with some of these free resources see if there's a stop gap and with my client that uh, that i mentioned with this question 
um, you know, they're working in Illustrator, and so they have actual tangible results that if, you know, the image that they see at the other end doesn't working, they'll know, art, record scratch, hey, that YouTube video, that wasn't the same thing. There's a difference if you're, if you're watching a YouTube video on how to rebuild an engine and then your car doesn't start, hey, you know you didn't learn the skill. Whereas with some of these other technologies, the proof isn't in the pudding. You wouldn't know if it worked or if it didn't work. And so that's kind of a really easy scratch test if you're out there and you're saying, hey, could I go to YouTube? Could I learn how to do something else? If you can't test it yourself or see what kind of the final product would look like, maybe that's not necessarily the best place to start. And so that's kind of a nice rule of thumb for some of our listeners out there. I agree. And I think there's an important point, too, for organizations in that story, which I think is key. I've seen it before where organizations do not invest in technology, right? I see it sometimes with HR technology. And so, you know, as an HR professional, I've coached people who are now in an organization that doesn't have HR our technology. They're still using Excel sheets. And so they're no longer becoming competitive in their market. So I think that organizations need to provide the tools also to ensure they're competitive in providing technology that enables their talent to stay up to date and also can remain to be con- uh, competitive. Oh my gosh, that speaks to my heart because I really want to start a support group from people from all industries who are using Excel sheets to try and be a stopgap for their company, not buying technology. It happens everywhere. And there's so many people who are like, well, I was using this workaround and I built this complicated table to get away from that. And as much as I know that not every company has the time to investigate what is the best technology, there are so, I've heard so many stories of Excel in particular where things are are moving forward for that. But that kind of speaks to, you know, again, there's this dichotomy of what the company does and what the employee does. Um, if, a, if an employee notices that there could be a technology that's there, uh, do you think there's a good way that they could bring up, you know, hey, we might investigate this new thing or something where they could kind of say, me gaining more more Intel, you know, could actually benefit the company more than maybe this 1000 tab Microsoft Excel document. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do recommend that, you know, you need to upskill yourself in the technology to be able to then go and create a business case or a compelling argument uh, as far as what is the business ad that it will it will give the organizations. That's definitely a great place to start. One of the things I want to kind of talk about before we go is this idea of people who want to reskill themselves but may not necessarily be able to afford the highest cost options. And so I'd love it if you could kind of talk towards, you know, the MOOCs, you know, the the courses that are maybe low cost or the resources that are out there. Are there some things that maybe our listeners should kind of have on their radar as they move forward with this? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I don't want to think of reskilling, upskilling as something that I, I do. I schedule in for a half hour. Um, I, I'm upskilling myself constantly. I put in my calendar every day 30 minutes of learning time and I read articles. So that is a form of also upskilling. I, I think that there's lots of free resources available to you. And if you, there's a Fast Company article that I, I authored and offered quite a few uh, simple and free resources right now. Uh, and it's amazing right now, especially in light of this pandemic, that companies are offering a lot of free content to you. We know that there's a lot of skills, the top five in-demand skills we're going to see in the future. Of course, we all hear it, artificial intelligence. Um, it, it, data analytics will be critical. So I'm calling that the competency of the future. No matter what role you're in, no matter what industry you're in, your ability to use data to be able to understand it and integrate it into insight is going to be key. So I was saying, if you're going to start anywhere, I would start with looking at uh, data analytics. And then soft skills. We know 62% of the skills that CEOs report will be in need in the future are soft skills, which I think get forgotten. And I know there's lots of great programs to help support you if you're not working around your emotional intelligence. 
uh, we know that that's a huge competency that we are in need of and that you can definitely find support online. That reminds me of a job searching joke that I'll leave you guys all with before we leave this episode is that there reportedly, I haven't met this person, so it's an urban legend with somebody who there, they were asked in a job interview, well, what have you been working on, you know, in the time that you've had, you know, between jobs? And they said, well, I'm really working on listening. And then they paused and didn't say anything else because they were listening. Please, listeners, don't do that. It's bad advice. But everything that Wesley Connor has told us today is good advice. And, uh, and that's all the time we have this week on Career Conversations. Tune in next week where we'll be talking about all things state and federal jobs. I promise they're not so scary. Um, everything from applications to interviews. We're going to get you prepped for whatever is next. If you, of course, have a job search question that you'd like us to answer on air, please email us at careerconvoswvox at gmail.com, or you can tweet your question using hashtag careerconvoswvox. Until then, I'm Erin Rovner, and I look forward to our next career conversation every Monday at 1230 right here on WVOX and online at wvox.com. Stay safe and see you next week.